invite you to now take your Bibles and turn together to Exodus chapter 20. And tonight we consider verse 14, the seventh commandment. Uh, Lord willing, we'll have beyond tonight three more weeks um, looking at the last commandments together here in Exodus, Exodus 20. I'm going to go ahead and read verse 1 down through verse 14. Uh, But once again, our focus is on verse 14. This is a a solemn and weighty subject tonight, but it's very important. And may we approach it with soft and ready hearts uh, together. Once again, please hear God's word, Exodus 20. I'll read verse 1 through 14. And God spoke all these words, saying... I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them. Or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. And we will end the reading of God's word there. Let's stop and pray together. Father in heaven, we confess that your law does convict us of sin. Um, It shows us that we fall short of your glory. But Lord, uh, gloriously, it shows us our need for Jesus and points us to him and points us to his perfect righteousness and his keeping the law for us. And then it is a, a guide for how we can be conformed to his image. And so, Lord, we pray that you would use your word in us uh, tonight for our good and for your glory. Lord, as we have just sung together, we pray that you would enable us to seek your face with all our heart. We pray that you would be gracious to us as you've promised us. Uh, Lord, your love fills all the earth. Uh, We pray now that you would instruct us in your statutes uh, for um, your glory ultimately. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, so far we have seen in the second table of the law, which is all about how to love others, we've seen that we're called to honor those over us. 
and we're called to value and protect life, the life of ourself and others. And tonight in the seventh commandment, God calls us to love others by maintaining and pursuing purity. Uh, we are to guard and use his gifts of marriage and sexuality according to his design. Now, this is yet another area and another commandment where people say, you know, the Bible is out of touch. It's behind the times. It presents a prudish and stifling view of human sexuality, and we need to get beyond these Victorian moralistic views. We need to relax a little bit and realize it's a free and accepting country. It's a free and accepting times. But when we remember that this is God's permanent, unchanging moral standard, when we remember that he is our redeemer and our God, as we're reminded in the prologue, when we remember that life is not about us but him, we remember that the law shows us our sin and also our Savior and guides us in the way of life and joy and shows us how to express love to him and others. When we remember that it's good for us, it actually protects us and shows us the way of freedom and joy, then we're more likely to listen to the Lord than to the world. And that is what we need to do tonight with this commandment as with the others. The main thrust of the seventh commandment is you shall not commit adultery. You shall not commit adultery, and that could be stated positively as a call to love the Lord and love your neighbor by pursuing purity in all of life. And that's what God calls us together to tonight in his word, to love him and to love our neighbors by pursuing purity in these relationships and in all of life. Well, let's consider that together tonight as we look at God's word. Now, this is not just an old-fashioned rule about an outward act that's off limits. Uh, this is about a full-orbed approach to life and marriage and family and sexuality and human relationships. And it covers not just outward acts, but also our hearts, our relationships, our relationship to the Lord. And so let's give our careful attention to it tonight. And I want us to first consider the, the negative side. What is forbidden in this commandment. God forbids adultery, and so he calls you and I to avoid adultery. Avoid adultery. Look at verse 14 again. You shall not commit adultery. Now, this is another short and on the surface simple commandment. It's another commandment that's just two words in the original language, and it forbids breaking the marriage covenant the lifelong one-flesh union between one man and one woman. And adultery specifically is marital unfaithfulness. It is the act of physical intimacy with one who's married to another or with anyone other than one's own spouse. Adultery is the most extreme form of sexual sin because it strikes the most basic, close, covenantal relationship, the bond of marriage between a husband and wife, the most basic building block of the family, uh, the society, and also uh, the church. It's a fundamental relationship because it's used 
also to picture our relationship to Christ, the relationship of the church with Christ. Now, under the Old Testament uh, civil law, uh, the penalty for adultery was death. Uh, That penalty, and we talked about this a long time ago, um, the civil laws, uh, that penalty is no longer binding now after the finished work of Christ, uh, but it was in place at, the t- at that time because marriage and sex are such powerful, good gifts uh, that have to be guarded, uh, that God takes very seriously. Now, as we think about this and talk about this tonight, we need to be very clear, and we've talked about this with other commandments, uh, but adultery or any kind of sexual immorality is sin, uh, but not unforgivable sins. Uh, Christ took the punishment of death himself in the place of sinners. And it can be and it is covered by the blood of Christ when we repent and confess our sins and trust in Christ. Thanks be to God. And yet it is no light matter. The Apostle Paul gives a balanced perspective in 1 Corinthians 6. There he writes, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And then he says, and such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. There's both a warning and wonderful good news in the words of Paul. The warning is any and all sin, if we are unrepentant and unwashed by Christ, will bar us from the kingdom of God. But Paul reminded them that they had been such sinners at one time. And yet, because of the work of Christ and their faith in him, they had been washed. And so you can commit such sins and be washed and forgiven, both by God and by man, forgiven by man as well. And you can have the power to change in Christ and overcome such sins. But far from relaxing God's standards, the New Testament actually gives us a fuller and a deeper picture of sexual purity. Jesus in Matthew 5, verse 28, we heard this already tonight, said, Everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus is driving that commandment, as he does others, inward, to the heart, saying we have to avoid more than just the outward act. Thoughts, looks, um, what's going on in our mind can violate this commandment. Uh, can lead to the outward act. And so he calls us to both inward and outward purity. This commandment includes uh, the whole category of sexual sin and unfaithfulness, uh, anything that, that could lead to adultery. Uh, the New Testament word for this is the Greek word porneia, which stands for any and, uh, and, any and all unlawful um, sex, Any form of sex outside of a one man and one woman marriage. And so this includes such things as fornication, uh, cohabitation, homosexuality, 
uh, prostitution, incest, rape, uh, pornography, lust, and associated activities, or anything that could lead to these. And that's just to name a few things. All of this is forbidden in the seventh commandment. As our shorter catechism puts it, all unchaste or, or impure thoughts, words, and actions are forbidden by this commandment, period. Now, as we think about this, that could come as something of a shock today, where most of these forms of pornea or pornea are nearly ubiquitous. They're everywhere. People say this is just part of growing up. This is just part of being human, a man or a woman. This is life in the 21st century. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Uh, sure, there may be benefits to lifelong uh, monogamous heterosexual marriage, and that's fine if you want that. But don't tell me what I can or can't do, uh, who I can or can't love, how I can or can't express or identify myself. Uh, don't tell me or anyone else. Don't attack my identity and how I choose to live. Uh, we need to realize that this is the logic of the day. This is the world that we live in, a hyper-sexualized culture, a culture where all types of sexual immorality and expression and desire are more and more accepted and celebrated and less and less restrained. Uh, sex is used in marketing, in entertainment. Uh, it's all around us. You think about the average college campus, it's really a microcosm of this on steroids. Uh, the drugs and the drunkenness, the co-ed dorms, um, indecency clubs, explicit dancing, music, morning after pills, all of these have just compounded uh, the problem and led to a surge in statistics on rape, on STDs, on abortion, and, and we could go on and on. And yet this immoral party lifestyle in our culture is celebrated and fed by our godless and rebellious culture that rejects this commandment and rejects God's good design. But this is why we need um, today more than ever, but in every age, God's way and God's standard. This is why we need God's grace. This is why we need Jesus. God's way actually is beautiful and good. Um, it's viewed as backwards and stifling and hateful. But it is life and humanity and relationship as it was meant to be. God says to his people, I have redeemed you. I have made you. I've made you mine. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are my holy people. You belong to me. And I want you to avoid all that entangles and that leads to destruction. That which brings guilt and judgment and consequences. That which dishonors my name and sucks the joy and life out of you and others. God says, avoid adultery for your good and for my glory because I love you and because you are called to love me and love others. I am your creator and redeemer. And this is how life is meant to be lived. That is what God's word calls you to. That is what God's word calls you away from, uh, to avoid but let's consider second and more positively tonight how this commandment calls you and it calls me to pursue purity as well. 
pursue purity. Look again at verse 14. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not commit adultery. Positively, how do we seek to do this? How do we guard our hearts, our eyes, our marriages? How do we avoid sin and instead pursue a life of purity, whether we're married or single, whether we're old or young? Well, to begin with, we need to remember that we can't avoid sin in our own strength, and we can't avoid it in our own, on our own individually as well. Uh, we need to be in Christ by faith. We need to be united to him and depending on him and have his power at work in us. And we need to be in his body, uh, his body on earth, the church, being sharpened and encouraged and held accountable um, among his people. And as we are in Christ and in his body, we need to practice the, what's sometimes called the twofold process of sanctification, putting off and putting on. It's not, it's not enough just not to sin, to avoid adultery. We need to replace that with that which is pure and good and right. Replace it with a love of God and others. The Shorter Catechism summarizes the Seventh Commandment and says, Positively, this means we must seek to preserve our own and our neighbor's chastity or purity in heart, speech, and behavior. And so let's think about this a little bit and unpack this for a bit. And we're going to be just skimming the surface briefly. And I want to say that if you have questions as, as we consider this tonight, as you hear this and you, you need help or want help, please seek that out. Talk to me. Talk to one of the elders. Um, talk to an older brother or sister in the Lord. Um, this is not the last word on, on this subject. There are a lot of good resources. There are a lot, there's a lot of help available uh, for people seeking to live this out. And also, just remember that this is a lifelong pursuit as well. Uh, you can't hear a short sermon and then check this off the list and move on. But I want to just point out four areas where we should seek to pursue purity in order to be conformed to Jesus, in order to love the Lord and love others and keep this commandment. And so, first of all, pursue purity in what you watch. Pursue purity in what you watch or what you look at. Remember Jesus said in Matthew 5, you have to guard your hearts by guarding your eyes. The body and sexuality are good gifts from God, but they are for the intimacy and privacy of marriage alone. They are not for the screen. They're not for entertainment. They're not for self-satisfaction. And today you have to be so very proactive in your application of this and in your use of technology. Now, pornography is universally accessible. It's anonymous. It's private. And it is deadly and so very dangerous. And so this calls for a full-out pursuit of purity. Being ever mindful of the presence of God, um, it calls for caution. I want you to think about if you went, if you went rock climbing, um, you would use ropes and harnesses and helmets in order to protect your body. And that's not being legalistic or old-fashioned. 
Um, it's not something that's unnecessary. It's smart. It's wise. It's life-saving. And yet we can be so casual and careless with our souls, uh, with the good and well-being of ourselves and others in this area. Friends, don't be. Um, at times, you may need to take radical steps to avoid habit-forming sinful self-gratification in this area. And that's not really my idea. That's Jesus. Jesus said, if your right eye causes you to sin, cut it out. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Throw it away. It is better that you lose one of your parts than have your whole body go to hell. And his point there is that we need to radically do what it takes to put sin to death in our lives. And so, friends, pursue purity with your eyes, with what you watch. Second, pursue purity with your words. With your words. Again, that which is meant for marriage alone is not meant for open talk and joking. Ephesians 5, verse 3 through 4 says, Sexual immorality and all impurity must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. A crude humor and jokes, conversation, locker room talk is not proper, is not keeping with this commandment. Uh, we are called to speak to each other with purity and with thankfulness. You can also think about flirtatious comments or gestures or texts or certain apps. Uh, these can also be very improper and are often the start of impure relationships. And so pursue purity with your words, with your communication, with your devices. A third, pursue purity with what you wear, with how you dress. The Bible says we are to dress with modesty. 1 Corinthians 12, 23, 1 Timothy 2, 9. Now the Bible doesn't tell us what to wear. It doesn't give us a dress code. But the Bible does give us a life code. It says in whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God and the good of others. It says whatever you do, love God and love your neighbor. And so what you wear should be chosen based on that, not primarily by what's in style or what might be expected, what may get looks or attention or maybe a temptation, but what would please and honor God. Pursue purity in what you wear for God's glory and your good and for the good of those around you. And this, again, this is not legalism. It's love. Love towards others, it's wisdom, it's common sense. More could be said, but we need to love one another and pursue <clears throat> purity here and provide a, a good example for our young people, an alternative to the world, and show that real beauty is found in a life lived to the glory of God and the good of others. And so pursue purity in what you wear. And then fourth and finally... Pursue purity in who you're with. Pursue purity in who you are with. Spending too much time with certain friends, with certain people, those who may cause you to compromise with God's standards, or failing to spend time with your spouse, 
uh, failing to spend time with the Lord and his people, uh, these things do not promote purity. Uh, There's a level of social distance that uh, I think must be maintained in non-marital relationships. Uh, The phrase, just friends, uh, can in some ways be a misnomer and can be used as an excuse. The reality is it can be really easy to become too close and emotionally attached. Uh, There may be times when you will not be with uh, your spouse or with your church family, or if you're single, there may be times where you're away from from your friends who might hold you accountable. It could be a business trip, deployment, other times in your life. Uh, These can present temptations. And so we need to pursue purity, especially in these times, and be aware of um, who we are with. You have to pursue purity in who you choose to date or spend time with. Uh, You have to pursue purity in uh, social situations and locations you might go to. If you are with those who are impure, uh, those who get drunk or use drugs, uh, that can often be, it, it often is a recipe for impurity. Now, that does not mean we are not called to be a light and a witness, um, but we must guard our, our hearts and be very careful. Proverbs 13.20 says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Uh, Psalm 1 verse 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners. Now, if you are... Uh, single and there's a Christian who's committed to purity, who's accountable, who uh, might want to pursue marriage and get to know you, then of course spending a lot of time together is very important. Uh, But that has to be done with care and with proper bounds. And so pursue purity and who you're with. And, And all of us are called to treat one another as brothers and sisters in Christ with all purity. So pursue purity with who you're with. Well, those are just four vital areas, four ways in which you and I can seek to pursue purity. And there are many, many more. But I want you to remember the importance of the church, the body of Christ around you. Uh, Don't pursue this. Don't try this on your own. Be surrounded by Christ's body, by those who love you, by those who will be willing to speak truth and share concerns. Uh, Be surrounded by Christ's body where there's accountability and encouragement. And then finally, as we close tonight, remember the key is ultimately Jesus Christ. Faith in Jesus Christ, the bridegroom, union with him, abiding in him and in his word, uh, delighting ourselves ultimately in him. Philippians 4 says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things and practice these things. Pursue these. Set your mind on these things. Ultimately, pursue Jesus. Brothers and sisters, he is pure. You and I are not. We fail, but he is perfectly pure. He is and he must be your first love. He is the Lord, your God. He's a jealous and loving God. 
who has brought you up out of slavery and sin and death, just as he did for Israel. He is your bridegroom. You are his bride. And so pursue him. Jesus calls you to do that. He calls you to himself. He calls you away from the world, away from impurity, sin, lust, self-love, idolatry, destruction. And he calls you to life in himself. And I want to close with some of his words from a little bit later in the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew 7, verse 13 through 14. Listen to what Jesus says here. He says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. And Jesus said in John, the Gospel of John, I am the gate, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And friends, tonight there are really just two ways set before you. There's the way that's wide and easy, the way that many travel and many live. But in love, Jesus warns that that way leads to destruction. On the other hand, there's the way of Christ. And he's honest with us. He says, it's not easy. It's hard. It's narrow. Few are on it. It is a different and difficult way, but it is the way of life. It is the way of forgiveness, the way of mercy and truth and purity and wholeness and joy, now and forever. It's as though Jesus says, trust me, love me, pursue me, have life in me, repent of your sin. Don't walk in the way of the world. Don't walk in the way of destruction. Whatever that might be, lust, sexual immorality, pride, unbelief, deceit, come to me. In me there is forgiveness. In me there is righteousness. In me there is power and joy and life. And if you hear anything tonight, I want you to hear the call of Christ and the call to Christ. I don't want you to hear tonight, well, I can't do this, or I have to do this. Apart from Christ, this really has no appeal or power. And so here, first and foremost, loud and clear, Christ saying, I am the life. And if and when he is your life by faith, when his way is your way by faith, then pursuing purity will flow out of that living faith, that living union with him. It'll be just one way to further pursue and love him. One way to be like him more by his grace as you love others as he first loved you. And it'll be your delight and your desire. Friends, none of us are faithful. None of us are pure. We are all sinners. We all fall short. Jesus is faithful and pure completely. And he calls you to himself. He calls you to be his. He calls you to trust him and have life in him and have forgiveness of sins, have his righteousness. And then he calls you to love him 
and love others by pursuing him and pursuing purity. And so let us seek to do that by his grace and to his glory. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do confess our sin to you. We are breakers of your law. We fall short of your glory and your standards. We are not perfect as our heavenly father is perfect. And so we need your mercy. We need your forgiveness. We need your son to come and live for us and die and rise again for us. And we praise you and thank you that he has done that. And we pray that you would help us to fix our eyes on him. And we pray that by your spirit and your word, that you would conform us to his image, that you'd help us to put off that which is sinful and destructive. Help us to put off adultery and all that's related to it and leads to it. Instead, help us to put on love for you and others. And all the glory, Father, will be yours. For we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.